Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 167th episode of the Truth Island podcast. In last week's episode regarding entitlement, Kenny and I stumbled upon some of the cognitive dissonance that surrounds some of our more saintly virtues and qualities. On one hand, there is no shortage of residents of wealthy cities and suburbs that profess to care for the poor, wish to end inequality, increase social safety nets, and provide a world-class education to everyone born in the United States. These elites manifest their opinions in a variety of different forms, whether it be posting on social media regarding a specific candidate they support, or running a marathon designed to raise funding to help end world hunger. While outwardly many of these individuals appear to be the most altruistic and caring of all humanity, reality seems to suggest otherwise. They are often the very people who are found in gated communities, enrolling their children in private schools, reserving job opportunities for their offspring, and passing on their generational wealth. Rob Henderson, a PhD candidate at the University of Cambridge, suggests that most wealthy people benefit from what he calls luxury beliefs. These beliefs on one hand send a contradictory signal where the elites pretend to be in favor of polygamous relationships, recreational drug use, or not working hard. While they may espouse these points of view as being okay for the poor, they themselves tend to live very opposite lives. Some might be inclined to argue that these rich individuals have noble intentions, but simply are misguided in their efforts. Others, however, might argue that such individuals are deliberately dropping breadcrumbs of poison to those below them while secretly maintaining the habits which will ensure their private success. Joining me to help discover whether this cognitive dissonance is simply the result of well-intentioned but, na- but naive good doers or a deliberate ruse by those seeking to maintain their power, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, what do you feel about this statement? The illusion is far more important than the reality it hides. <laughs> I think that's a really, I think that's very brilliant statements. I think that's a very good statement, but it, like, it, but it depends on the context of it anyway. Um, but I think, um, <laughs> at least to the masses, it really is. It really is. Often that's the case. That's, yeah, I, I would say it's, I, I like the statement. You know, we look at these uh, wealthy elites and we ask ourselves, like, are they just naive children and they don't know what's best for us? And they're just, you know, confused as to what they're offering or are they deliberately kind of uh, flaring up the wrong signals to try and stumble us? Yeah. So it, it, it's... This is where one of those nuances comes in, right? So for me, you know, we've we've been talking for for a long time, Aaron, and I think it's you would know by now that my my view of humanity is very pessimistic. I think that we are we're, we're very bad most of the time, and now I do believe we're capable of doing great good individually and collectively. But I do. But what I what I'm certain of, what I what I what I see most often is that we are, is that we're more than willing to deceive, lie, cheat, and scratch and bite to get our way. Now, this is um, this is not common to this is not you know particular to blacks or whites or Asians or it's every man, every human being is this way. So, when when you when I find people like this, when I you know a person who who says something along these lines and you know ends up doing the opposite. It's not a surprise to me. I expect it. I do. And it doesn't take me, it doesn't, it doesn't shock me. Because human beings, we we love being popular, we love being liked. And we also like power. And we find that when you're popular, when you're liked, when you have it's a, a certain kind of power. 
so it's kind of like the same, you know, the guy who, you know, um, this you know, on a different level, the, he goes to parties and talks about how he's a poet, he reads his bollocks poems here and there, says the, says the things that gets all the ladies, you know, thinking, oh my goodness, he's so sensitive. He's so sensitive. Words at the end of the day mean nothing. They're just, they're sounds that we vibrate out of our, um, out of our cake holes. And we, uh, we say them so that we get the cachet. It's like, you know, um, we talked last week about the uncle who promises you the Xbox or the PlayStation. He's winning the emotion. He's winning the devotion to him, but he hasn't delivered on his promise yet. But the very fact that he said the thing has already invoked the imagination and with the imagination comes the, the, um, the, the corresponding emotions. And so he doesn't really have to um, make, make good on his promise because he's already got what he wants. He wants you to believe him, wants you to like him. And I find that this is how we all behave. This is how human beings behave. This is how politicians behave. And uh, it's not, it's, 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 it's not a, uh, um, let's just say it's not a new thing under the sun. Okay, now I, I agree with you that th this behavior is just flat out bad, but it is, there's actually several layers as to how bad it is, okay? It could be a little bad or it could be greatly bad. Mm. It's a little bad, like let's just say I'm one of these college students, right? And let's say I want to ca cash in on the cachet of sounding, you know, progressive or having these luxury beliefs, right? I just want to be popular, right? And I don't mean any harm by it. I'm just like, hey, I want to fit in. I want to be invited to all the parties and protests and just fit in, right? So I go along, I pretend to be progressive or whatever it is, cash in that cachet. I get to be popular throughout all four years of college. And then at the bitter end, I kind of show my true colors and then apply for a job at a hedge fund and become wealthy, right? Now, now that's despicable and it's wrong, okay? But let's just say that that person had a change of heart or whatever, right? Now that's bad, but it's not as bad as from the get-go, from your freshman year, you already have contrived this plot to like send people down the wrong road and trick, you're, at, you're actively tricking other people into following a path that will make them less prosperous and less successful. Like you're deliberately, deliberately pretending to be somebody you're not, not necessarily just for the popularity or cachet, but to deliberately send them on a, on a fox trail, just to send them like, you know, completely into the wilderness so that you'll have less competition when you apply for some of these like more prestigious jobs. That to me is high level fiendishly evil. I mean, don't get me wrong. The other thing is also kind of wrong, but this takes everything to a whole nother level because now you're deliberately putting out poison for your competition. You're feeding them poison so that, you know, they don't go in the direction you go. And that to me, like I can understand the human urge to want to be popular and to fit in. I get it. It's not, it's not right, but I get it. I understand it. But this kind of character is is something entirely different. Yeah, that that, that I mean, it's just it's deception. It's a it's a snake. It's, we, back home we call it green snake and green grass. You don't you don't see it coming. You think it's you know he blends into the surroundings so well you could you you would you would mistake him for something else. So this is this is it. You know, um, I think you're right that a person who is 
I don't, I, I wouldn't even fault the person who believed these things earnestly and had a change of heart later on, later down the line. His intent was never to deceive you, never to harm you. He, he thought he was doing the right thing. But upon realizing his folly or his wrong and change, changes his mind. Now, it would be hard pressed for him to go back to school and find everybody, track down, uh, not school, but everybody who probably graduated too, but find everybody he's talked to about these things and change their minds as well, or tell them how he was wrong. Now, if he encounters them on, you know, on a daily basis or as life goes on and he can say, oh man, listen, a couple of years ago when I said this thing, I was dead wrong and here's why. Um, and I hope it didn't do much damage to you. But, but a person who is you know, willingly and actively deceiving you for either monetary gain, um, power, or simply just some sort of emotional cachet in uh, an emotional connection with you is, is disturbing. There's, um, there's a lot to be said about a person like that, you know? Um, but we find this every day. We find these situations every single day. Like one of the reasons I, I, I'm, really, I'm a big fan of free speech. One of the, I'm a big, big fan of free, free speech is, one of, is for this reason. It's one of these reasons. Is that I'd rather people be able to say what they want to say honestly so that I know who the hell I'm dealing with. If a person comes up to me and says, oh, you know what, I'm really, you know, I don't care much for black people. And uh, I, quite frankly, Kenny, I'm, <laughs> don't, uh, don't like you. Well, now I know. <laughs> Now I know. So it's it's much more important to know what I'm dealing with, to know who I'm dealing with, than to be you know than to be uh, bushwhacked in the middle of the night for no reason. And so when when a person comes and says, "Listen, Mike, to me money is the most important thing, power is the most important thing, and I'm going to say and do whatever the hell I'm going to have to say and do to make money and get gain power," then I know who I'm dealing with. It makes me know that, okay, when this person says one thing or the other, I got to be careful. I got to know what the hell, you know, where, where, where it's coming from or where it's going. Um, but I, I think it's be, I think we live, we live in a world where dishonesty pays and it pays off big time, at least for the, you know, relatively. And uh, we, re we reward, we reward dishonesty. We reward it and disingenuousness. We, we reward it. We, you know, a politician could easily say one thing today and literally say the opposite tomorrow. And we don't bat an eye. We're like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> well, he's one of us. So um, it, it's, 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 it's sad. It's sad, but it's human. So I, I think, though, that based on the kind, like, I, I like the example, the first example you gave with the gentleman who said, you know, when I was in college, I was a little misguided. And, you know, I, I said money doesn't mean anything or whatever. You know, I take that back now. I understand, you know. I feel like that type of person we can deal with and we can sort of like, I feel like that person's approachable because we could go up to them and see and, and tell them, like, I, I'm thinking back to the New York Times article that we talked, uh, video rather, that we talked about last week, where it said that those who live in very uh, liberal blue states and they're very wealthy tend to hoard all the wealth for themselves, even though they mm -hmm. outwardly manifest uh, progressive ideas. Mm -hmm. I think if we approach those people and they're acting in good faith, I could be like, hey, man, do you see how when you say children should have no discipline, um, that creates problems for the poor and the working class? Do you see how um, celebrating recreational drugs, do you see how that can be a trouble for, for the working class? Do you see how when you say polygamous relationships is healthy for children? Like we can actually talk to those people and be like, hey, 
do you see how your values are having a negative impact on the poor and the working class? We might be able to make some headway. It becomes dangerous when this is all deliberate. You know, uh, Rob Henderson in his in the podcast with Jordan Peterson, he says a lot of these elites talk the talk of the 60s, but walk the walk of the 50s. <laughs> meaning, meaning, and, 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 and the question is, is it cognitive dissonance? Is it just they're naive or are they deliberately? Because if they're deliberately, you know, telling all the poor people to not get married, uh, to take recreational drugs, you know, it's, you don't need to have like um, a stable household for your kid. Don't take work too, you know, don't take work too seriously. Watch a lot of television. You can learn just as much off of YouTube than reading good old fashioned books. You know, it's the same thing with smartphones as well. All of these tech giants for, you know, basically if you watch the movie, uh, the documentary, which is the one, the social media something, I, I forgot which one, all of these giant uh, tech giants, they don't have, they don't give their kids smartphones until they're 18 years old. They, they don't have smartphones. They don't have internet access until their kids are 18. And I'm like, you're telling us the masses to consume this stuff like crazy, like no tomorrow. And yet your own children are basically spared any of this technology. And I'm like, what is it, man? Are you just naive or just a little bit on the foolish side? Or is there a deliberate plot to feed us all the wrong values while secretly, you know, adhering to the correct values yourself? If it is the latter case, we have a whole other monster, a whole other hydra that we have to confront here. I don't think, and I could be naive, or maybe I'm not pessimistic enough. I don't think it's deliberate. I think it's, it's this distance, it's this, it's this, they don't see it. They don't want to see it because if they do see it, it's, um, it's catastrophic to the, um, to the mind. When, when, you know, you know the hardest thing a human being can deal with? A moral dilemma, a personal moral dilemma. It's, it, it changes you because that's a choice. When you make a choice that has significant moral how you say weight a moral yeah when you when you when when you when you when you when you make a choice that has a significant moral impact on your life on the lives of others when you make the wrong choice there it changes when you make the right choice it changes you for the better but when you make the wrong choice it changes you for the worse but the struggle and trying to deal with it is often very unpleasant you know it's when when we're talking money when we're talking money when we're talking power People have this strange disconnect. They have this strange, it's almost like they don't see the tech giants. If they do this, this situation, if they, if they are in the situation where, and this is the case where they are sending their kids, you know, to really brilliant schools, not really making sure they don't deal with tech and smartphones until a certain age and so forth, then, and you're pushing, you know, pushing it on other people's children. It's very interesting because it's 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 exhibit a this is where other people's kids bring profit to them they bring they bring in the money they bring in they bring in the the power that these these people so desperately crave and need and um the public the public is just i, I don't i don't even blame them i blame the public because here's the thing man it's just the old saying you know you can force you can force a donkey to the water but you can't force it to drink it yeah they're going to make what they're going to make. They're going to say what they're going to say. It's up to the public. It's up to the individual to say, okay, is this real? 
what you've said here, is it accurate? Is it true? It's up to me. It's up to me as an individual to make the choice whether I, whether I, whether I believe it and walk towards it or whether I reject it and walk away from it. But we find that we're living in a very strange time where nonsense, nonsense is nonsense, but we still, we don't see it as nonsense. We, we accept it as true facts or it doesn't have to be true facts. It just, it just sentimentally registers with our emotions and we accept it as true. And so um, I say that the public is just, the public is not just, it's not, they're not just as to blame because I think they're the only ones to blame. I think that people people need to take responsibility for, for themselves and their lives. And you can't force places like Facebook and Amazon or whatever, whoever the hell these people are to change their policies and to, you know, to make their business in a certain way so that it doesn't endanger the public. The public are, is, is filled with grown ass adults and should be willing and able to um, decipher these things for themselves and make and come to a conclusion. I, I 110% hear you. And for, for individuals, you know, you and I, I would say we're, we're pretty self-examined individuals. So we're able to see beyond the clutter, right? We're, we're, we're able to see beyond the deception. I am worried though about 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds, because, you know, and I'll give you another example of this. I once worked with a, um, a teacher and she, she had attended like an elite private school or whatever. And she was teaching, you know, like your body doesn't matter, you know, kind of like she was teaching like fat acceptance or something like that. Meanwhile, every day for lunch, she would have like, uh, like a little salad with balsamic vinaigrette. And then she would go to Equinox six days a week and run like a marathon and stuff. Meanwhile, she was teaching students who, who might very well have been, you know, suffering from uh, diabetes and that were overweight and were eating a lot of like sugary products that, you know, this is totally fine and it's totally accept acceptable while she was living, you know, a, a lifestyle that was diametrically opposed to what she was verbally espousing. Now, mm -hmm. With all of these things, man, you and I, we can see past the deception and be like, hey, you know, you're telling these kids it's okay to eat Cheetos all day while you're going to Equinox and working out for six days a week. You and I, we're smart enough to see beyond that. I'm worried that a lot of kids are screwing their lives up because they're getting the wrong signals early on in life. And that's setting them at a handicap. Now, maybe when they you know, reach the age of 30, they, they reach our level and they they waken up to the truth, but it might be already too late. They might've already made like some really bad blunders and mistakes. And I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that yes, everyone is ultimately accountable to themselves. I, I hear you on that. And that's 110% true. But at the same time, we, if there are levers in society where we can start promoting the right messages at a young age, I think we ought to be doing that. You know, the younger, the younger we get the right messages out there, because this is just another hurdle that people have to go through. If they have to like unlearn years and years and years of propaganda and brainwashing, you're already at a significant handicap because you're starting off life having to now, you know, unlearn everything that you've learned. Whereas if you are being set with the right messages from the, from an early age, you're already on a better course. Yeah, it's one of the one of the benefits, one of the benefits of having good parents.
This is one of the benefits of having good, wise parents, because this is what they do for you early on. And um, it's also another benefit of having good teachers, teachers who are just brilliant, you know, not just brilliant in the subjects they teach, but who are critical thinkers, who are not led by their passions or emotions, but they are, they're trying to decipher what is true, which is what a teacher ought to be doing. It doesn't matter what subject, is they're trying to decipher what is true and what is the actual fact of what is reality and you're trying to present it to the students. But these days, that's not the case. So this is, you know, you have, you have very bright, shining people. I call them bright and shining people because they're, they kind of stand out in the world. They do interesting, beautiful things. One of the things, I, I, one of the people I like uh, that did this for kids was Mr. Rogers. I liked, I liked his stuff a lot. It was on Sesame Street. So things, things like this for kids can be very helpful. But of course, you know, as time goes on, um, you, you'll always have people like that start to just, they just, they can't help but shine and with and, and, and affect children with their lives and not just children, adults and, and, and society. But the opposite is fairly true for the dark side, for the dark hearts, you know? They, they have a way of spousing and creating things that are very harmful and detrimental to, to young lives and minds. Now, I don't, I think that an adult, any kid, you know, there's a certain age when a kid stops being a kid and becomes, if not, if not an adult, but a thinking being. They may not be able to, their, 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 their processing may not be as powerful as, 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 a, as, a, as an adult who's been doing it for years, but they're thinking, they're starting to notice things. Usually it's, you know, the first, the first agent of criticism, subject to criticism is your parents. And that's why you have the rebellious, the, the rebellious uh, teenage years, right? But, but they stop being kids. Now, while they're kids, see, when, when, you, when you show something to a child, when you teach a child the wrong way of life, it's not the child's fault. It's your fault. You are to blame 100%. It's, it's all you. It's all you. That child knows nothing. They're blank slates and they're picking up as much as they can from the adults world and from the, um, um, from society and from, from their neighbor, from pretty much everywhere. But there's a certain time and it differs, I think, for, for, different, for different children where they start thinking for themselves and they begin to question things. And this is a very important time in a child's life, in a young man's life, a young woman's life, when you start questioning. Usually they're, you know, they're met with all kinds of antagonism because they're smart asses. But here's the thing about smart asses, they're needed. Smart asses are the, are the that's, that's why I love comedians. Comedians are just well-paid smart asses. They see the things in life that, um, they see the hypocrisy in life, they see the follies that we commit, the things that we do, Comedians are always there in the shadows. Where you think, say, Lava, there's a, there's a saying, I think uh, it says, La Plasque tu Quaco tu Do. It basically means the place where you think, the place where you think you're hidden, that's where we sleep. That's, where, that's what comedians do. They sleep where you hide, and they know, they know the follies of your, your, you know, your actions and your behaviors. And that's what kids, that's what at some point every young man and woman becomes a smart ass. And they start asking smart, smart alecky questions. The, question, the problem is that we often shut them down. We don't direct it. We need to learn how to direct those, those smart alecky behaviors to the right things because they need to question everything, everything. 
but we get upset and angry because we are the greatest authorities and we, we believe that who, who are we to be questioned. And so what we end up doing is we end up either pushing them to the edge of society where they become, you know, um, the loons and the outliers, or we just shut it down and shut it down and turn them into compliant robots. Oh, we directed towards the wrong thing. So I, my, my point being that, yeah, it's for, for children, it's not, they're not responsible. They cannot be responsible. It's just not, makes no sense for them to be responsible. But for, for, for the thinking, for the thinking, for those who are starting to think, we're still responsible, they're still, they're responsible to some extent, while we're also responsible because we need to point, especially teachers and parents, we need to point them in the right direction. And then when they come to that point, we say in America, it's 18 years old when you're considered an adult, right? When it comes to that place of adulthood, then they're fully legally, and I would say even to some extent, morally responsible for their lives and their actions. So, but yeah, the world is full, the world is full of BS. Now, look, I, I agree with you that there comes an age where we have to cut the cord and every man, woman, becomes responsible for their own lives. But I want to just look at some of the barriers that let's say you're not a contrarian, right? So you're, you're right. Like if you're a contrarian and you're slick and you're constantly questioning things, you're going to be able to avoid the nonsense a lot easier, right? Because when your teacher tells you it's okay to be obese, you're slick and you're going to be like, uh, no, I feel much better when I do a hundred pushups and eat healthy. Right. Like, you know, and those, those kids are going to be much better. Let's say you're just not as slick or not as contrarian. And you're just, you're, you know, you just, you're innocent and you know, you're innocent and you assume what your teacher or society is telling you is correct. Right. Just, you're just, you have an innocent disposition and you're not questioning everything. Okay. You, you're being told that it's okay to max out your credit card. It's okay to be obese. It's okay to take recreational drugs. It's okay to engage in polyamorous relationships and then raise a children under said conditions. So you're being given all of these like roadblocks and all of these hurdles, right? And you're just being innocent and saying, hey, this is what the greater society is telling me is okay. You now have to like, like, again, we're just giving these people more roadblocks and more hurdles that they have to jump over once they turn 18 and they have to kind of unravel them. And there, there might be considerable damage that's already done. You know, they might have already taken out huge loans that they can't pay back because they never learned proper credit. You know, they might have huge credit card debt or student loans. Um, you know, they might already have a children out of, they might have a child out of wedlock when they're 19 years old without a college degree. And that just makes them at risk, a greater risk for poverty and so forth. So there's a lot of damage that could be done before they even hit 21 if they have been fed the wrong value system. Yeah. Whereas there, there is, whereas other children are being reared in environments where they're being raised with the correct value system so that when they turn 18, they already have a head start because they already have the correct values. They already know about credit. They already know about um, eating healthy. They already know about studying hard and study habits and all this other stuff. And it's like, again, I, I feel you that, you know, at some point we got to cut the umbilical cord and say, you're responsible for your own life. I get it. But why, you know, I, I think that we need to have a conversation with these elites and saying, hey, whether you realize it or not, maybe you're grossly unaware of this, maybe you're oblivious to this, let, let's assume you're innocent, whatever, you're living 
a life that's completely different than the life that you're telling other people to live. And it's screwing them up royally. And if you yeah. truly believe that this country is a meritocracy where everyone can rise, you got to start, you know, removing some of these pernicious barriers that are, are, are these are like fishnets. These are fishnets that are capturing a lot of our poor and working class people because they're falling into these pit holes and they don't realize they've fallen into a pit until they're already 25 years old and it's already too late. Again, there'll always be some slick Alec kids who are, you know, like, that's utter nonsense. I don't believe in that. God bless those kids. <laughs> but there's a lot of good hearted people that are going to fall into those pits. And I think I think we have a responsibility to start standing up to power and start telling them whether you're naive or whether this is deliberate. It needs to stop and it needs to stop now. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. But here's the thing is that it can't be done. It can't be done because the, the world, the way our system, the way the world system works is that finances rules everything. It's not about, this is, this is, not, this is not a world where um, ideas, we like to think ideas rule the world. They don't. We like to think that um, discovery and scientific, uh, um, scientific uh, adventure and, 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 and exploration, it's, it really isn't. It's money. The reason these people say what they say is, and while totally not you know, giving a crap about it and living the exact opposite if necessary, is money. When you say all the right things, you will be rewarded either through popularity, which brings in finances and power, you will be steady. You will be part of the. You will be. You will be part of the in crew. The in group. I dare. I dare any politician today. I dare any human being today to go on media, social media, for example, and say any idea that is contrary to the popular, to the to the, to the popular norms, to the popular ideas today. I dare you to do that. You will be. You will be. The the. <laughs> Your life will be turned upside down quicker than you can say sliced bread. So the idea, the, a, a lot of this, um, a lot of this, a lot of these people in power, many of them are cowards, first of all, and many of them just don't care. They just they want the comforts and they want the votes and they want the they want to uh, they want they have they have a personal vision of the world that though it does not really they know they cannot live there. They would like they would like um, to be labeled as pioneers and visionaries for the for the world to come. So here here's where I'm not as cynical as you are in this in this regard. Yeah. So I think like like two examples that come to mind are like Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson. So Joe Rogan tells people, "Hey, stop eating cheeseburgers. Just stop eating cheeseburgers." Is that a popular message? Is that something that any politician will say? Absolutely not. But people love it. You know, he gets more every time he tells Americans, "Hey, you guys are too fat. Stop eating cheeseburgers." More people listen to his podcast. Same thing with Jordan Peterson. Every time he tells people, "Be responsible, clean your room, work hard," more and more people gravitate towards this message. So I, I think that these mavericks are examples, like they're examples of when you tell poor and working class people the hard, cold truth, they actually love it. They actually, they don't, they don't fight back. They, they, they don't resist it. So that's proof positive 
that if you speak the truth and you give the correct value system to poor and working class people, they can enhance their lives. The problem is, is that Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan, I mean, they're, they're two individuals. I think that this needs, this kind of like ethos needs to increase. And, 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 and like, I think that there are elites that are kind of preventing that message from becoming more widespread. And that, that's where I actually think the danger is, is that I think if that message was able to leak, if that, if that message was able to leak, I think poor people would eat it up and they would love it and their lives would become substantially better. I think that the elites are deliberately preventing that message from filtering through because they might just be hoarding those values for themselves so that they live by those values and others don't. Well, that's the thing. I, I do believe that Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan do to the teenage and adult mind what Mr. Rogers does for children. It's um, how you say <laughs> um, <laughs> he makes He makes children better and they make adults better. So it's... Um, but you're right, Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson ask, they're just two people. And there might be others like them, like, uh, you know, um, you have Gothics who's doing some very wicked things on YouTube. You have people like Preach and Abba. Um, you have people like, um, but you have people who are saying things that are very, let's say, confrontational and very controversial and so forth. And it, it is it is making waves, right? So, but here's the, here's the, here's the thing about that. They're only... Their, their platforms are very small. I mean, comparatively, right? Joe Rogan has one of the most, if not the most successful podcast ever. One of the most successful podcasts ever. Right? I think it is the most, but it's just a podcast. It's not, this is not, this is not, you know, this is not international news. Of course, now, because of, you know, the, the beauty of Spotify, if your country is, you know, is, is, is friendly with Spotify, you can listen to it. Uh, especially with VPNs today, you can listen to anything, actually, if your country is friendly or not. But this is this is not world-changing situations with Joe Rogan and, um, and, and people like him, John Peterson and people like him. It's not. This is individual lives changing, right? Like world systems aren't going to change because of Joe Rogan. And neither are they because of Jordan Peterson. The world stays the same. P money and power still rules. And people will say anything and do anything to maintain their power and get more money. And so I like the fact that they exist. And I think it's brilliant. I think it's just a, it's nature, nature does this, right? Wherever, wherever there is, wherever there is poison, eventually we find the venom. I mean, so so we, we eventually we find the antidote, excuse me. And they're the antidote, but they're not, they're not going to change the world. They're going to change lives. They're going to change individual lives. Um, but the world still stays the same. So I, I think what needs to happen is some of the correct values need to start infiltrating our institutions. Because you're right. Like in order to find Jordan Peterson, you have to find him first, right? You have to find Spotify. You have to go, you know, you have to, there's plenty of people. I tell a 16 year old, do you know who Jordan Peterson is or what? <laughs> right. And they don't know who it is. So I think the correct thing is like, like, I'll give you an example. We used to, when I was in high school, I had a class called health class. And that class was, was quite revolutionary. Yeah, it was, it was a great class. The guy said, you know, Hey, um, you know, if you have, um, 
children, you know, when you're 17 or 18, you know, you're less likely to do this. And this guy told us some hard truths. He's, he said, hey, look, you might want to do this instead of that, you know, and, and like, I, I don't even know if that's even going on today anymore, where, you know, there was some hard, hard truths that were told about how to live your life. I had, I had a good economics teacher who taught us about how credit works, you know, and about like, you know, get a credit card, use it, you know, buy a cup of coffee with it a few times, pay it off immediately, and you're going to be fine. A lot of that has been kind of stripped from the curriculum. It's been, it's been completely, you know, the curriculum has been completely stripped of these things. And it's like, I, I, I scratch my chin and I say, hmm, I wonder why some of these things have been scratched from the curriculum and, and why they've gone, you know, why they've been taken out because they might actually benefit people's lives. So I think in order to get to that world changing um, effect, as you described, these values need to be reintroduced into our public school education system. I think that's the only way that it could work because it's, if someone you know, stumbles upon uh, Jordan Peterson or, or some other kind of helpful person, it's by mere chance. It's by mere chance or mere coincidence. But if it's introduced into our public schools within our popular culture, within our popular ethos, then, you know, there, there's still people, there might be rogue agents who do the wrong thing and still make bad decisions, okie dokie. But at least society can say, hey, we put the correct information out there. People decided how they decided. We did, we did, we did put the right information out there. We fed them the, the healthy food. They chose not to do those things. That's on them. But at least society can wipe, it, wipe its hands clean and say, hey, we put out the right information. Whereas now they're not even espousing the correct values. No, no, they're not. They're not. And um, it's one of the places where it's most important. The educational system is so the educational system will either pump out its successful future or its destruction is destructive future so your educational system will reflect not today but 20 years from now when those kids have grown up and become you know um and gone into positions of power that's when you see what you've done and so um, if we keep going the way we're going, I'm very interested to see the, you know, the generation that my son grows up, uh, grows up in. But it really does begin. It begins at home and education system. We've, we've talked about this before. Parents and teachers are super important. These, and these are the main places where everything is being, not everything, but a good deal of, a good deal of the tools that are necessary to um, adequately deal with the world folly and folly and all um, should be found but these are very places where those tools are being removed and those tools are being you know um, um, dulled and you know it's 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 it'll be very hard to shape a proper young man and woman um, for the future to come so so my 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 consolation is that if you can't get them when they're children which is much easier to do it's easier to shape a child than it is to beat the living day daylights out of a man so if you can't if they can't get it when they're children then you have people like jordan pearson you have people like joe rogan you have people like um what's the name joey b tunes you have people like uh, is it mark driscoll you have people like um um i mean even hitchens did his best in, in his time and um to whip some of these people out of nonsense and into shape. 
And so it's not over to the fat lady sings. And so um, we hope that, my hope is that, you know, where, where education misses and it's missed a great deal. Um, we, have some, we have some shining men, some, um, some brilliant men and women who will at some points catch them in their adulthood. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, if there's any fathers listening out there and they, you know, are listening to this podcast or listening to other podcasts along the same vein, they, you know, they can benefit from this. And then if they do have children, they can then course correct and then swoop in there, even even if they don't even have like full custody, even on the weekends, just like, hey, son, uh, you ought to not be doing that. Or, hey, son, I don't really think it's good that you're hanging out with these kids. Now, that may or may not work. But at least at least it's a presence that's there, whereas if there's no presence there, then there's no uh, hope of any type of redemption and so forth. However, you know, again, the thing that that kind of brings uncertainty into this is that it's based on the variable of who your parents are. Now, you might be lucky and have a, a father or a mother that is well-versed in the correct values, and then they're able to trickle those correct values onto the children. Mm. There's many children out there who may not have any kind of guardian out there who is even remotely close to stumbling upon those correct values. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the hedge, the hedge that society made was like, okay, even if your parents are completely messed up, you should be able to go to school theoretically and be uh, given the correct values that will then offset whatever bad values your parents are, are giving you. And that's a controversial statement because on one hand, people are like, oh, whoa, the state contradicting your parent. But it actually can work, you know, it can work both ways. Sometimes the state gives bad values that contradict the good values of the parent, but it could also work in the opposite direction where sometimes the state is giving good values that contradict the bad values of the parent. So Mm. you want to have the best, you know, the optimal solution here is that you have the best possible values being espoused by the state so that whether the parents' values are good or bad, there should be some alignment. So if the parents' values are good, what the school is saying reinforces what the parent is saying. So now you've got double the effect. If what the parent is saying is bad, well, then you're hoping that the school values offset the bad values of the parents. I think that's, if we really want to get serious about creating a better country, and, and like, this is not an elective surgery. This has to be done because you know, even if a few elites go on and they send productive kids to study neuroscience or whatever, what about the, the 90% of us? What about the mm. 90% of us who are you know, just going through this whole public school, whatever system? We deserve a fighting chance. And if, mm. if our democracy is to continue, we've really got to get this right. I, I don't see any way that our democracy can continue where 10% of the population is being fed, you know, like run a marathon, eat balsamic vinaigrette salad, uh, study hard, study, you know, get a neuroscience PhD, you know, like do a hundred chin-ups every morning. You know, if you have, if you have 10% of the population that's being fed that set of values and the other 90%, which is being told eat fast food all day, uh, don't study too hard, you know, drink and have fun. And like, you know, hopefully you'll become rich as a UFC fighter. I think we're freaking screwed. <laughs> Either that, or we'll have a lots of uh, a lots of good ready men when the war comes. <laughs> Hopefully, but yeah, I think it's it's craziness, my good man. It's craziness, but 
It's, um, it's the world we live in and it's just the way it works. I am um, I'm hopeful really, I'm hopeful on an individual level. I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful for individuals. You're right that people, a lot of these young lads and lasses don't have parents. What, and what about them, the people who, who fall through the net of the parents and who, who fall through the net of the system? Well, that's, that's not how you say, and that's not an easy fix, but the hope is that the hope is that some of them hopefully will make it through okay, either through friendships or through stumbling upon the rights materials, whether books, videos, and so forth, meeting, you know, meeting the right people, even if even if they're in your life, not as a friend, but for a brief moment, saying the right thing or you witnessing the right thing at the right time. I think life has a way of dealing with these kinds of situations. It would be better. It would be better if the parents were there and we had brilliant teachers who were there and we had um, a government that was not in any way moo-yacking you into death and folly or into poverty and, 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 and complacency, but rewarding you adequately for your hard work and contribution to society. But alas, this is not the way it is. Okay, I want to pivot just a little bit here. So I also want to be very careful because there are, you know, I, I think there would be some people who would say, give, give the, if you, as long as you have the correct values, you can kind of gut everything else, right? And I, I think that, you know, both the left and the right are correct. I think the right is correct that everyone needs to have the proper values and the proper virtues and the proper you know ethics and so forth right so i think conservatives are right you need to give your kids stability you need to teach them to work hard you need them to teach them to be respectful and make the right decision so i agree with conservatives on that end of the stick at the same time i also agree with the left that i think all schools should be you know funded equally like the new york times video said if you live in a neighborhood that is um, like a high tax area, for example, if you, if you have mm -hmm. like very uh, wealthy households, those schools are then funded more by virtue of them being in a district where the property values. In my opinion, I think that, you know, all of the schools should be funded equally. And the, re and, 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 you know, the reason I say this is you can fault the parents and blame them for, for being inadequate. Hey, you should have worked harder. It's harder to fault children for, for not rising to the occasion. So if one group of kids is afforded private SAT tutors at their school, I think all kids should be afforded that luxury. Because, And the reason I'm so on top of this is because in order for us to call ourselves a proper meritocracy, I think we have to be on We All Americans should be able to honestly look themselves in the mirror and say, yeah, I had just as many advantages as that rich kid that lived in blah, 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 zip code or something. Will, will it ever be perfect? No, it won't. But I think the two things have to go in tandem with one another. I think that we have to be promoting the, the social virtues that conservatives say is proper to raising children. But at the same time, you know, if one school has like private tutors and reading experts and literacy coaches and, 
uh, you know, like kids are getting scholarships because they're on the polo team or they're horseback riding or whatever. I mean, we, we gotta, we gotta be honest with ourselves and say the kid who's in a classroom with like 10 other students and has private tutors at their beck and call is going to be at a, a much greater advantage than some kid who has 40 kids in the classroom. And, you know, the teacher doesn't even know who their name is. So I think we have to be realistic on both fronts. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> I think you made a good point. But here's the thing. It's, for me, it's not simply about, and I think you're right about there's a place where responsibility does, at least on an, in an educational sense, in an educational sense, where responsibility falls in children. Because, you know, it's the same thing. We can do all the best things for you. And if you don't learn, well, you don't learn. Um, but there have been many instances where young men and women have gone to horrible schools and come out to be fantastic, um, not only citizens, but contributors and um, have, you know, um, brilliant minded. Um, they don't necessarily have to be the, you know, you don't have to have an IQ of 250. But let's just say that um, when the ball is in your court, you know what to do with it. So this is where it gets very nuanced, right? Because there are specific situations and specific situations tailored to each individual and we cannot do that because we're humans but what we can say is that there is the um for the general we can only assess things generally for the most part we can say that generally yes it would be absolutely much much better and a better situation if all, all schools were done were done justice and every every student had an equal opportunity not, of course, not equality of outcome, but equal opportunity to make something of themselves. That would be a really brilliant situation for, um, not just for the students, but for the country. So, so yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. And you're right that the left has some, they, 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 they have very good ideas, but the only problem is the practicality. I find that a lot of the left's ideas are brilliant when it comes to a personal expression of those things. It's almost like they're trying to take personal ethics and make it a collective um, public ethic or, 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 or governing, governing, you know, you're trying to take something personal and turn it into legislation. And it shouldn't be that case. So for example, yes, racism could, should be abolished if possible, but you cannot reach into the heart of a man or his mind and take away racism, now can you? It's a personal thing. One must one must encounter encounter that um, situation on your own, because the minute you try to reach into a person to do things like this, you become monstrous. And the right has good ideas too, and um, the problem with theirs is that they're so um, brutish and um, often very cold. With the way they want to express it because what they do is they forget the person they're always about the collective the governing and they forget the person and they forget that there are people who are different from them different from um from the environment and the situations they grew up in and so what you have is this these two really interesting situations where both people are fighting for what would be a whole good if you put them together it makes a perfect circle but they're fighting of fighting for it um, through very impractical or strange means. 
you know? And so it's really hard to meet in the middle. So it, it would be best, you know, that even, even when it comes to politics, to raise, to raise these kids to know that it's not going to save your life. Politics is not going to save your life, Mike. It doesn't matter how many presidents you get. It doesn't matter how many um, Black, white, Chinese, Japanese, American, up, down, left, right. doesn't matter. They're not going to change your world, Mike. They're not going to save your life. They're not going to give you anything that really matters. You have to do all that for yourself from the inward, you know? But it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult thing. Very difficult thing. You know, I, I think that's really well. I think you actually s- summarize the problem very well. And, and you know, I, I, I've said this before. This is why it's very important to lift to listen to both conservative and liberal, you know, podcasts. And as much try and make your media exposure as even keeled as humanly possible, because I think that the conservatives believe that if you just have the correct values, you'll be okay. And liberals believe if you just have the correct material resources, you'll be okay. Whereas the answer is actually a combination of both those things. You need both the correct set of values and the correct set of material resources in order to move forward. And, and that's, that's kind of what's missing you know, from, from a lot of the talking points and why we um, kind of go astray, man. Last thing I want to mention before we close out. Um, so coming back to this idea of cognitive dissonance, what, what, what can we do? So it, it seems like we're not going to be getting a solution from the top right now. So what, what do us folks on the bottom start doing to like wake up other people on the bottom and just kind of shake them a little bit and say, hey, man, even though you might be, you might be being told to do X, Y, and Z on the, you know, in the media or whatever, it might be a little, you might be better off, my friend, if you, if you did this instead, or if you ate a little bit more broccoli, <laughs> you know, like, 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 how do you, how do you come across that guy? Like, cause I, I think, I think you're right that, you know, the, the, like, I've kind of given up on the elites telling us to eat broccoli again and, and telling us to espouse the correct values. So I think it, I think it's ultimately up to us to start keeping us in check and telling each other to start eating broccoli again. So any tips or advice on, on how we can slowly take, if, if the virtues are not going to come from above, then perhaps the virtues need to come from below. Well, that's the thing, you know, as pessimistic as I am, and I do, I am incredibly pessimistic about the state of things and the future of things. But I do believe that there is a way. I don't, I don't believe this way. I don't know that we'll listen, but there is a way. I believe there is a way. I like uh, Bill Burr. He says, I eat a salad. I love that guy. It's just a very brilliant, smart, smart ass. Very brilliant. Um, but here, here's the thing. If, if, you want, if you're the kind of person who sees things and you want to, you want to shine a light in the world, literally, I mean, not, not literally, but, you know. Metaphorically? Kind of like, metaphorically, yeah. Thank you, metaphorically. The best thing to do is to find, a, find an avenue for that light. There are some people who are gifted, incredibly gifted in conversation. They call them, uh, what's it called? They, they, got, they have the gift of gab. And they can sit down and with young men and women and make them laugh and talk to them about all kinds of things. I have a friend who does this, uh, um, a very good friend of mine, actually, I mentioned him to you before, Evan, Evan Wilson of the Big House. What he would do every night, his house is always open to college students, every single night, every single night. His house at night is flooded with college students, people from numbers as low as 10 to as high as 20 something, 
coming wow, in. Wow, that's, that's then, incredible, yeah. Not just in a night suit, but throughout the day, people are coming to his home. Moscow, Idaho, folks. If you're ever in town, Moscow. Moscow Idaho, yeah. <laughs> his, home, his home is always open. Never locked his door. Home is always open, and he's always in his library smoking a cigar and reading his books until someone comes in and he ready to chat. And so what happens is you have people who are coming in to argue, to chat, to some of them are coming to pick a fight, some of them are coming to understand, but he's open to everybody. And he has that gift and he can do that with people day and night without, you know, and it's, it's a pleasure and an enjoyment to him. Other people sit in a very lonely basement, you know, uh, with one light and they write things, they write day and day, day after day, night after night, Jordan Peterson writes and speaks to people. You know, all the people are comedians. They go out there like Bill Burr and, he, and, and Dale Chappelle and give it to you straight what it is right there and then. Um, others make music, you know, others write poetry. My point is that there are many ways of expressing these things and you never know who's going to pick it up and, 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 and whose life is gonna be changed by your endeavors. So I, I think that the light is the easy part. Reason is simple. It's not, it's not, it takes some getting used to, but it's it, it, when you want, once you get the hang of it, it cuts through, it cuts through bollocks as, as quickly as you can say, you know, oh, bollocks. <laughs> so the, the point is simply that the lights, once you have the lights, the, 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 you have to find your avenue of shining that light. You must, because it's important that you do. Because we're living in a world that's filled with an, an incredible amount of folly and darkness. You'd be surprised. And so if you can speak to the young, speak to the young. If you can speak to the elderly, speak to the elderly. If you can speak to your mates, speak to your mates. If you can write children's books, write children's books. If you can write music and poetry, do so. If you have a podcast, as my good friend Aaron is doing, then do so. The, the point is simply, um, um, there, is no, there is no one way and one thing. Some of you will be politicians. Some of you will be bakers. Some of you will be you know, um, uh, captains of industry with lots of time to sit around and chat, while others will may not have that much time and have to do things on a, uh, on a very short, uh, short, burst, uh, short burst of energy, but yeah. I think that's some really great advice. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the only way we're gonna save ourselves is by small little ants, such as you and I, stepping up and really building community around us because it's never gonna come from top. It's always going to come from from us and the and the and the people that we negotiate with in this world. Well said, Kenny. Uh, thank you so much. I, I definitely have less cognitive dissonance after this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me, Aaron. It was a bloody pleasure. Same here. This concludes the 167th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.